Welcome to The Ride Podcast by the Horse and Rider editorial team. The Ride takes you on a deep dive into stories of horse men and women who have inspired us for generations. I'm your host, Michaela Jaycox, and I will be taking you into the Horse and Rider vault to explore stories crafted by leading authors in horse and rider history to expand your understanding of the personalities that shape this Western horse life. Hi guys, welcome back to The Ride Podcast. This episode of The Ride, we are going to be reading a profile on Benny Boutron. So guys, what do you guys have to say? I know he's an exciting one that I look forward to reading. I love his story, so. Yeah, I think anybody that like is a fan of the cow horse events or even the reigning, like uh, Benny is a name that has been around for a long time. And a lot of the cow horse trainers that I've had the opportunity to work with, when I ask them like, who is one person they would love to just sit down and talk to? Benny's name is always brought up. It seems like he was a really big part of that industry and he brought a lot to it and he was just a fantastic horseman and they had so much respect for him. And it seems like, you know, even though he was training for, I don't even know how many years, like it seems like his methods are still something that a lot of these trainers just like hope they can just get to that point in their riding career. And I, I'm not from the cow horse. I don't have a cow horse background, but um, I first heard Benny's name working with J.D. Yates, um, who's obviously a, a team roper, made the NFR lots of times on both ends. And um, Benny's name was brought up in, an, in a discussion on who J.D. learned most of his horsemanship secrets from. Uh, J.D. is known as, as the horseman of the team roping industry, and Benny is the one who J.D. learned from. So that was my first introduction to him. There's also, I mean, like, I think the list just keeps going and going on people that have worked for him, ridden with him, just, you know, talk to them, talk to him to get as much, you know, horsemanship stuff that they could from him. Like, it doesn't matter the discipline, for sure. Yeah, and I think just like other things we've talked about, this also was written by Jenny Meyer, who's our senior editor out there in California. And you can tell her writing style, um, and Michaela's getting good at at articulating it, but man, her writing style is outstanding, and she really takes you into into the barn with Benny as a kid, into the show ring with Benny. Uh, it's it's a really diverse piece, and I'm excited for everybody to hear it. Yeah, it's it's a really great profile, and it's fun because you learn a lot about him outside of the arena too. I think there's one little part where they're talking about him going on vacation and he doesn't want to go to the beach and he doesn't want to wear shorts. And it's just funny things like that. You, you don't normally hear about or think about, and it, it kind of just like opens up his personality and his sense of humor and his ability to just like enjoy stuff. And, and I think that's a really cool way of, of sharing his life. Yeah. And Michaela, this podcast or this, this article that you're going to read for this podcast was written in 1998. How old were you in 1998? I was two years old. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you were two when this article was written, but there's so much that rings true today. I mean, it could have been written yesterday, I think, as far as how it how it reads. And I, yeah, so August 1998 issue of Horse and Rider, which is another really cool thing about what you're doing with this podcast, is that you're bringing back to life stories that might have long since been forgotten um, or people today might never have had a chance to read or, or even knew existed. So that's really fun about this one. Yeah, I think it's fun about a lot of them because, I mean, a lot of these, I mean, all of them were mm -hmm. written before I came and joined the team at Horse and Riders. So before you could even read. To, yeah, before <laughs> I could even read. <laughs> so being able to, you know, dive into this Horse and Rider archive and pull out great stories of the greatest horsemen and women 
it's just so much fun for myself. I mean, and to be able to share that with you guys is, you know, a lot of fun. So I hope you guys enjoy every single episode and especially this one because I feel like after reading it, I feel like I know Benny. I've never met Benny. I, you know, didn't really know a whole lot about him. But after reading Jenny's work, I totally feel like I could have been Benny's best friend. <laughs> and when you guys have a chance to to go to the website, horseandrider.com, check this story out um, in the print version uh, because, or in the digital version, excuse me, because there are some awesome old photos that are really valuable and, and make it bring this story to life even more. Yeah, I think the cool thing about this one, too, is, like, Benny, you know, a lot of the professional horsemen that we work with now in this magazine um, worked with or rode with Benny. And so it's kind of cool to see that next generation coming forward. Mm -hmm. and, and we, so we, we get a sense of, you know, what he was like through the trainers that we now get to work with. For sure. So I guess from here, we'll dive into reading this profile. Hope you guys enjoy. Comes a horseman. California's Benny Gutrone learned the ropes in the old school, and it shaped every faucet of his being. Note, the text of this profile originally appeared in the August 1998 issue of Horseman Rider. Named to the National Rain Cow Horse Association Hall of Fame in 2008, Gushon died December 18, 2016. It's the late 1950s. The highlight of the Southern California horse show season is the big open event in Indio, where top horsemen of all disciplines gather to strut their stuff. A young boy sits on a tack trunk in the barn aisle, wide-eyed. Riding toward him is a cowboy of a different stripe, more workmanlike than the typical SoCal horse trainer. Wearing a Wrangler denim jacket and carrying a nylon rope instead of a leather riata, he looks all business. He nods a quick hello to the boy. Mister, calls out the boy, can your horse spin? The cowboy shifts his weight imperceptibly, barely lifts his hackamore reins, and the horse spins flawlessly, first one way, then the other. The cowboy tips his hat and rides on. From that moment, recalls Benny Gutrone, he was my role model. The cowboy was Tony Armall Sr., the late legendary horseman of the California Vaquero tradition. His old world style shaped not only young Gutrone's horsemanship, but also his outlook on life. As a result, Gutrone is one of the most well-liked and respected horsemen in the country. And as a fellow trainer and cowhorse maturity ace, Ted Robinson puts it, Benny's one of the most interesting people in the world to sit and talk horses with. Fire in the Belly. Born 50 years ago in Glendale, California, Gutron was the fifth of six children, youngest of the three boys. His father, Felix Gutron Sr., had immigrated from Mexico, working and saving his money until he could afford to buy land of his own in the then rural community of Indio. He made his living farming, but he was a horse enthusiast at heart, Gutron recalls. He was into match racing, and he bought lot number one at the very first recognized quarter horse sale sometime in the 40s. The senior Gutron also designed bits and spurs as a hobby, which gave him an excuse to go to horse shows. Benny and his late brother Felix Jr. began showing on the open western circuit, where they had plenty of opportunity to see the top trainers of the day, many of whom, including Armand, knew their dad personally. Benny grew up around some awful good horsemen, observes performance horse trainer and three-time National Rain Cow Horse Association Snafflebit maturity champion Bobby Ingersoll. Gutron trained out of Ingersoll's Pleasant Grove, California facility for a while in the 60s. Jimmy Williams, Harold Barron, Red Neal, Don Dodge, Tony Armall. Benny always liked their image, and he decided that when he was old enough, he was going to do it their way. 
Gutron wasted no time getting started either. My dad used to dread the Indio show, he reveals, because every year right afterwards, I'd come home and ruin a horse trying to do the things I saw those guys do. His desire was almost a palpable thing, then and later. I met Benny when he was just a teenager, says Les Vaught, a world champion in both reining and working cow horse. He was an earnest, anxious kid with dreams in his eyes. He'd tell you all about the horses he had at home, and you weren't really sure how much was real and how much was dreaming. When Gutron's father passed away in 1968, his desire to become a professional horseman crystallized. He called his idol Armal and asked for a job. I wanted to be just like Tony and the other horsemen in Northern California, where the emphasis was on ranching and cattle work, Gutron says. I wanted to be a cowboy, and a well-rounded cowboy at that, the kind who knows a horse inside and out and understands every aspect of the horse business. Though he may not have fully understood it at the time, Young Benny wanted to become not just a showman, but a horseman. In the year or so he spent with Armal, first in Moraga, California, and later at the horseman's own ranch in nearby Byram, Gutron learned all about the traditional Spanish vaquero method of starting a horse. That time-honored program starts with a snaffle bit, proceeds through a hackamore and a shank bit and basil combination, finally graduating years later to a full spade. Gutron was an apt pupil of this method, especially when it came to using the bitless equipment. He's really good with a hackamore, which is becoming a lost art, observes top all-around trainer Bob Avila, who showed on the open circuit with Gutron and worked at our malls at the same time Gutron did. Today, more than three dozen well-used hackamores and basils hang on a circular rack in the tack room of Gutron's Merced California training facility. From the old school. A true horseman knows bloodlines, and Gutron absorbed a fascination with pedigrees and a heritage from our mall and his own father. Benny's a walking encyclopedia on quarter horse history, says Vogt. It's a passion with him. It's like the stock market, Gutron explains. If you're advising someone to invest their money in a young prospect or a stud fee, you need to be able to tell them which lines perform well in which areas. Other values Gutron learned from his dad and from Armal include honesty, trustworthiness, and loyalty. Your handshake is your bond, he says simply, and those who know him are quick to confirm that in Gutron's case, it's true. When you do business with him, it's always a straight-up deal, says performance horse trainer Tommy Songruth, the best man at Gutron's 1974 wedding. He's not afraid to tell you the negatives of something as well as the positives, and he genuinely cares about people. He's been a really good friend to me. Indeed, friendships are something Gutron regards almost as sacred. I cherish them, he says. You can have all the money in the world, but when you die, if there aren't a couple of guys sharing a drink and reminiscing about how good you were to have around. By the same token, a broken friendship is something Gutron finds difficult to set aside. Nothing makes me matter than when someone I classify as a real friend betrays me, he says. Friends confirm this trait as well. It's hard for him to understand when people don't have the same high standards he does, explains Vogt. And adds trainer Rod Weimers, who also apprenticed under Armal. If you cross him, you've pretty much crossed him for life. He's going to remember it. Hard work, self-motivation, and stick-to-itiveness are Gutron's other identifying marks. He's dedicated, observes Robinson, himself no stranger to the grindstone. A lot of guys get tired at his age. Ben is still building, and he doesn't let anything hold him back. If a door cracks open, I'm kicking it down, says Gutron. Can't doesn't exist in the English language, as far as I'm concerned. Off and running. 
Someone who noticed that determination early on was Margaret Reese, Gutron's first client. She had enough faith in my ability to send me my first horse to train for pay, he recalls. That was Bar Edge. The pair missed the finals of the 1971 Snafflebit Futurity by just one and a half points. The horse went on to win a lot, even beating the best-owned cow horse of the era, Royal Cutter, one year at the California State Fair. That eventually led to my getting Kit smoked, and that's when the ball really started rolling. And how? With the gutsy Mr. Gunsmoke daughter, the fledging trainer took the 1976 Snafflebit Futurity by an impressive four and a half points, the largest winning margin in the event at the time. You could see the look in his eye that year. He was going to win it, recalls Vaught, who had run into Gatron at a hamburger joint on the way to the event's Reno, Nevada venue. It's the most intense I've ever seen him. Gutron remembers the encounter as well. Les said, what do you think, cowboy? I told him I thought I had a shot at making the finals. I said my mare was probably the best horse I'd ever ridden, and if I got any buckle at all, I'd be the happiest guy in the world. He was happy, all right, with the champion's buckle and a host of other prizes. He continued showing on the active NRCHA circuit, where his skill as a reinsman and all-around cowboy earned him the respect of a hard-riding group, fondly nicknamed Burrito by Johnny Brazil. Gutron was widely known for his affability as well as his riding and training skills. In 1979, at a quarter horse show in Clovis, California, Gutron met an individual who was to change the course of his personal and professional lives. At the time, he was the divorced father of two sons. Paula Drury was a petite, highly motivated trainer on the circuit. She and Gutron hit it off immediately. Under Drury's influence, Gutron returned to the quarter horse competition in a big way. She encouraged me, and she has a tremendous amount of drive, he says. She's also been my toughest critic, and although criticism is hard for me to take, it does cause me to think, and to try to do better on down the road. I owe a lot of my success in the quarter horse world to Paula. Traditional ways, modern results. They've been together ever since. Today, Drury designs and markets top-of-the-line show apparel from their 11-acre Gutron Ranch, where her life partner stays busy working with horses and training. 35 to 45 at any given time. Gutron also buys and sells or brokers a number of horses each year and stands two stallions, Doctor's Kit by Dry Dock and Out of Kit's Smoke and A Little Shady Jack by Hollywood Jack 86. Gutron's horses compete in the open, amateur, and youth divisions of disciplines ranging from reining to pleasure to cattle events and roping. Bring him a horse and he'll make something out of it, quips Robinson. He's one of the most versatile trainers I know these days, pleasure horse trainer Vicki Cooper concurs. He has more depth in training methods than most people have in a lifetime, she says. When I have a problem with a horse, he's the first person I call, and he won't have just one idea on how to deal with it. He'll have ten. Though Gutron stays current with the latest training approaches, he doesn't rely on newfangled techniques. He uses traditional methods to get modern-day results, observes Vaughn. A foundation of those methods is to go slowly. He can discipline a horse if that's what's needed, says Jan Hoskin, who apprenticed under Gutron for six years and now works for trainer Steve Metcalf. But he also gives a horse the time and space necessary to absorb what he's teaching. I treat every horse as an individual, explains the trainer. Each horse has his own personality, just like people. You have to allow for that. Though Gutron is a big man, he has a poise in the saddle that believes his size. Any mount seems to belong under him, says Hoskin. He once showed a light-boned, 14-1-hand son of Doc Alina 
and the horse moved beautifully. Benny's at home on a horse, with immaculately light hands and perfect balance. Robinson recalls one time in particular when that balance was put to acid test. Gutron was showing at the NRCHA snap of it maturity in Reno, and his girth billet broke and the rein worked. He just went on as if nothing had happened and spun both ways, Robinson says wonderingly. It was incredible. Gutron's skill as a rider is even more impressive in light of the fact that he has, according to Hoskin, no other athletic abilities to speak of, running or sports or the like. On the other hand, she adds, he can really dance. He has so much rhythm and he can keep time to any kind of music. Those who witnessed his John Belushi imitation in a Blues Brothers skit with Steve Metcalf at the Sun Circuit in Arizona a few years ago can vouch for that rhythm and for his love of a good time. All of the fine points. A true horseman has an eye for a horse, and in this regard, Gutron is unsurpassed. He can tell immediately if a horse will be good, regardless of its physical conditioning or previous training, asserts Weimers. Who would you give $50,000 to invest in horses for you? Benny. He certainly has the personality to buy and sell horses, adds Alvila. He's like the Energizer Bunny, always thinking, always selling. This is true, at least in the part, because he enjoys it so much. You want to make Benny high, says Dury bluntly, trade horses with him. Once Gutron acquires a new mount for himself or a client, he determines where its greatest potential lies, then sets about developing that potential from every angle. Benny can take a look at a horse on a lunge line, claims Hoskin, and tell exactly how that horse should be shod to improve his movement. To take the excessive knee action out of a pleasure horse, say, or to straighten the slide of a reiner. It's an intuitive thing. Moreover, Gutron knows success in the horse world depends partly on factors that don't relate directly to horses. You've got to be a shrink for the owners and a best friend to the kids, he observes. You also have to remember that you're selling entertainment too, so it's got to be fun. Fun is an operative word at the Gutron Ranch, as his helpers will attest. He likes things done his way and expects you to be punctual and hardworking, notes Hoskin, but he makes it easy to be there too. He's got a smiley face, and he's not afraid to pull a prank now and then. He's also a great mentor. He gave me every opportunity, good horses to ride, and enough space to learn, says Hoskin. You couldn't ask for someone better to work for. Which is not to say Gutron has no irritating quirks. He's pretty one-sided. He's what you'd call a horseaholic, reveals Jury when pressed. His idea of an outside hobby is collecting bits, and on a day off, he'll go roping. He's also hard-headed and set in his ways, she adds. It's easy for him to say, I am not doing this. Regardless that bullheadedness, Avila recalls a certain Hawaiian vacation. Doug Carpenter and our wives had been going to Maui for several years, and we've been bugging Benny to come with us, he says. Finally he did, but then he refused to go to the beach. By God, I am not putting on shorts, he yelled at us. You go, I'll wait at the hotel. That lasted a day, then he gave in and asked Paula to go buy him some shorts. After that, he had a great time. Which is actually what the trainer has most of the time. I enjoy what I do, he says simply. My dad taught all his kids there's nothing you can't achieve if you work hard, and we've all done well. I've been blessed with a lot of great horses and clients who've believed in me. Now I'm raising babies and seeing them win with other trainers. It's like being a proud dad. He gets pleasure out of his real kids, too. He's been a good dad to his two sons, both of whom are in college now, says Songriff. He's supported them all the way, and that counts for a lot in my book. With few regrets, Gutron sees the world through an optimist, rosy lens. 
Everything happens for a reason, he says. If you learn, it's not really a mistake. It's a learning brick. Though business now couldn't be better, like most trainers, he's lived through some lean years. Still, he's never questioned his choice of life's work. I'm not in it for the money, he says thoughtfully. I'm in it for the love of the horse and for the respect of my fellow horsemen. At one time, back when the Grand National at San Francisco's Cow Palace was the event on the West Coast, I had only one goal. I wanted people to think, when they heard my spurs jingling down a corridor at Cow Palace, there goes a darn good cowboy. Well, Benny, it's a done deal. Gutron said a key goal was to have another horseman regard him as a darn good cowboy. He more than achieved that goal. In 2008, he was inducted into the NRCHA Hall of Fame. And for this episode's Horse of the Week, we have a horse brought to you by A Home for Every Horse, which was created in 2011 and result to a partnership between the Equine Network, the nation's leading publisher of equine-related content, and the American Horse Council's United Horse Coalition. The program provides resources for 501c3 horse organizations. Visit ahomeforeveryhorse.com for more information. This horse is Sedona, and she is quite pretty. She's a beautiful Palomino mare. She stands 14-2, so she's kind of small, but I think she'd be great for somebody who wants to go trail riding, ride just around in the pasture, you know. I think she has a lot of potential, you guys. Yeah, she's an 03 model. Um, it sounds like she's pretty good on the trails. Uh, it sounds like she's good on the ground. Uh, it doesn't have any big vices, so it seems like she'd be a pretty solid mount if you like to trail ride, if you like to just kind of play around at home and, and just work on some natural horsemanship stuff. seems like she'd be a good fit. And she's got all the looks that you actually need. She's got the chrome. She's got a good mane and tail. She'll be fancy. Yeah, she has four white socks. So if you just want to have her hanging out, ride her a few times, and take some pretty photos of her, I think she would definitely do the job there as well. So if you're interested in Sedona, be sure to go to ahomeforeveryhorse.com, search for adoptable horses, and then head over to equine.com where you can search for her and find her. And if you do adopt Sedona and we want to know about it, tell us, you know, your story with her. Yeah, uh, always uh, send us an email at horsematter at aimmedia.com. We want to hear all about it. If you do take pretty photos of her, like Michaela mentioned, send them to us so we can share them on our Instagram, so we can talk about it in our podcast, maybe even do an interview. We want to hear from you. Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this profile. As always, remember to go subscribe so you get a notification every time we release a new episode. While you're there, why don't you give us a rating? We want to know how we're doing, and this also helps other listeners find us. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. See you next time.